Well, before we get into the message, I do want to um, read a few prayer requests folks we've been praying for. Remember Penny Rogers? She had a stroke on the 9th of last week. She is a lady that I used to work with several years, and she's in UT Hospital recovering from that. Uh, remember the family of Leela Moore? She passed away Friday, and they're having her service this coming Tuesday. She's an aunt of one of my friends, Mark Summers. Remember the family of Brenda Blanton? She passed away last week. They've already had her service on Friday, I believe. And she's also related to a friend of ours. And then I want you to remember my mother. Uh, she went into the hospital on January the 4th. That was two Tuesdays ago. 13 days now she's been in the hospital. And uh, it, uh, she went in for complications from COVID. And she's had several other things happen to her. Uh, her kidney, she only has one kidney and it's... Uh, been failing so they've uh, got her on dialysis but uh, one of the most greatest things that ever happened this morning uh, my phone rang and it was my mom and uh, I gotta tell you that was probably the best call I've ever had in my life um, I've not been able to go into the room to see her my sister has been going she's been our uh, point of contact and she helps her and is able to go in and uh, help her do the things she needs to do but uh, the last time I saw her was last Sunday, and she was not well at all. And uh, we've been praying day and night. And uh, I'm so thankful this morning. She called me, and she was talking, and sounded like her spirits were lifted. And uh, she almost sounded completely well, but I know she's not. She's got a long way to go. She still has some things she's got to recover from. But uh, Lord willing, she'll be able to get out of that hospital uh, hopefully by uh, this week. I don't know if she will or not, but keep praying for her, please. Uh, she's, uh, I mean, everybody's mother's dear, but uh, I tell you what, when it's, when it's your own mother, it's uh, it's difficult. And so do keep praying for her, and thanks for those that's been praying. I know she's had multitudes of people praying, and uh, we're thankful for that. So remember all these folks. I'm sure there's people I'm forgetting uh, but uh, pray for them. Pray for everybody that has the, the COVID right now. It is probably the worst it's ever been, even worse than it was when it first started. This new strain seems like it's uh, it's not like the other one. Uh, it doesn't matter if you've been vaccinated or boosted or anything else. Uh, everybody's getting it, and people that's had COVID's getting it again uh, two or three times. I know somebody, one person in particular, has had COVID three times already. So, uh Pray for them, and pray the Lord just help them. Pray for this country. This country needs prayer, and uh, more than anything else. Well, I do have a message this morning that I, I, I want to preach, and I've titled the message, A Full Man. Uh, just because it says man don't mean women are exempt, so you can put your name right there, A Full Woman, if you'd rather, but A Full Man is the title of the message. We're taking our text out of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 6, we'll be reading from... And we'll look at verses 1 through 8, Lord willing, and we'll get through this uh, a little at a time. We'll take a few verses at a time, one or two, and uh, work our way down through here on this message. So if you have your copy of God's Word, if you turn there, Acts chapter 6, start with verse 1. And here the Bible says, And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, 
because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning just thanking you so much for all your blessings. Lord, we're praying for all these folks that we mentioned this morning. We read off our prayer list. We, we pray you continue helping them and healing them and giving them comfort. Those that's lost loved ones, we pray for their comfort. But Lord, we're praying now most of all for this message this morning, Lord, that you'll just stir our hearts. God, guide our minds, Lord. Lead us into the word that you would have us to understand. And may it just do a mighty work in our hearts and our lives. And may you receive any glory and honor for it. These things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, these events that uh, we read about this morning happened just after what we call the day of Pentecost. Uh, that's 50 days after, so 50 Pente uh, Pentecost there. Where Peter, the Apostle Peter, stood up there on that day of Pentecost and he preached and the Bible says there were over 3,000 souls saved that day. And these were Jewish people. These were Hebrew people. Uh, most of them were Hebrew. A lot of them were other, other um, uh, nationalities that had came there, but they were mostly all Jewish believers. And so they came to the knowledge of Christ after Peter preached there on that day of Pentecost. And from that point on, the Bible tells us that the, the disciples there multiplied. The church multiplied. It can't... It keeps saying that in the book of Acts, the multiplied. Uh, here in verse 1, it says, in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied. And so anytime God starts doing a work, you'll see he starts multiplying things. Uh, whether it be a church or whether it be a, a ministry of some type. Or here we see that this is the beginning of the church or the, the empowerment of the church. The church began with Jesus and his disciples and it was empowered there at Pentecost. And we see what happens. The Holy Ghost takes over and starts working in the lives of these men. And the, the church increases so much that there are so many people and they're all gathered in this one place. At this point, they've not been scattered. So they're all there in Jerusalem. And there are uh, lots of them. A lot of these people have come from different countries. They've traveled there. They traveled there uh, earlier on before all this happened. Uh, and um, now they're all together, and a lot of them are not in their regular homes, and so they're having to stay with other people, or maybe they're camping in different places, and so many people there, and they need help. They really need help. And so what happens when a lot of people get together for an amount of time, you start getting murmuring. I mean, it's just natural. People start murmuring because some people feel like they're not getting treated the same as other people are. Or something isn't going the way they think it ought to go, and so they begin murmuring. Now, to murmur means 
you're talking amongst yourselves. You're getting in little groups and cliques and, and discussing it, and, and you're getting irritated and sometimes angry. And so a, a murmur is, uh, uh, you know you know how it is when people get together. So um, that's what's going on here. They're a large group of people. A lot of people's feelings are gotten hurt. A lot of people feel like they're not getting what they sh should. And listen, you can't please everybody all the time. That's just the truth. Uh, and the larger a church is, the more responsibility you have of trying to, to please everyone, and it's just an impossible task. And so you have to understand the social classes we're dealing with here. These Grecians were from outside of the area of Palestine. They, they weren't part of most of where these Hebrews are from in the area of Jerusalem. They were outside of this. And so they were not Hebrews, and they were often looked down upon by the Hebrews these Grecians were. And so some of these Grecians, they may have been Gentiles that have become Jewish, and now they've become Christian. And so they've, they've gone through this proselytization process of, of two different religions. Uh, and the majority of them were Jews, though, that were born and dwelt in Greece. And so they spoke the, the Greek language. And there was a, a language barrier there. And so a lot of difficulty. And so they're complaining that the Hebrew widows seem to be getting preference over the Grecian widows, the Greek widows. And maybe that's the case. Maybe that was really happening, or maybe they just thought that. Uh, one of those problems, as I mentioned, that language barrier. You can imagine all these Hebrews that didn't speak Greek that were trying to take care of things like that. And as we can see from this, the apostles were the ones trying to do everything. They were trying to do all the jobs in the church in this early part of it. But all this complaining has now came to their ears, and it is keeping them from doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is prayer and tending to the Word, preaching and teaching the Word, the ministry of the Word of God. So look at verse 2. We see what they did. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So what we're seeing here now is the organization of the early church, of the first church. And the apostles, as I said, their most important job is to preach the word and prayer. That is the single most important function of what a minister or an apostle or preacher uh, does. And by the way, that's the most important thing in a church. All these other things are secondary. The word of God and prayer is over all other things in the church, no matter what ministry it is. It may be a good ministry. It may be feeding those that are hungry. It may be giving money to the poor. But those things come second to preaching the word of God. Now, you need to understand that because a lot of people have gotten that, that idea backwards. Oh, the most important things to feed them and to... You know, to do all this, take care of all that. No, the most important thing is preaching the word of God. All this other stuff will come along afterward. And so this is a first organization, if you will, of the church. Um, if, if there's no preaching and prayer being done by the ministers here, the apostles in this case, all this other stuff is for nothing. And so this is where a lot of churches go wrong. And I know... We can do a lot of good things as a church. We give you know money when, when needed. Uh, this church, Porchlight Baptist, we've given money to several people in need. 
But uh, all those things, you can spread the gospel through benevolence, but that is should be the, it's not our calling. Our calling and our purpose is to preach the word of God. And so I know some men will do anything in their power to draw a crowd, and simply just to draw a crowd. Uh, not necessarily to see if people are saved, but just so they can brag about how many people they got in the pews, how many cars are in the parking lot. And it's a it's an ugly, ugly thing when you base your ministry on numbers. Uh, I've gotten into that uh, that mindset before years ago. I mean, it's one of the big worries of a, of a pastor to look out and see empty seats, and you know, and you want to take responsibility for it. And you think, well, it's my fault. Nobody's coming, you know. And so, what happens is you start getting your mind on numbers and how many people you can get in there, and you focus on that instead of focusing on what's important. And that's being pleasing to God and preaching his word. And sadly, there's a lot of men today that the number one thing out of the mouth, wow, the place was packed. Every time I hear that out of some preacher's mouth, I just want to go up. I mean, this is my flesh. I want to go up and just smack him right in the face. Say, it's not about how many people are in your pews. You know, what difference did you make? When you got up and preached, did you preach the word of God? And listen, uh, the numbers game is a bad game to be in. The message is the number one reason we're to preach. And if we're not pleasing God, all this is for nothing. It don't matter how many people you draw. I'm going to preach the same whether there's five people in the congregation or if there's 5,000 in the congregation. I'm not going to preach any different. It doesn't matter to me. I saw a message on a church uh, a page one time. It said, never go to a church that is more worried about keeping you as a member than it is about telling you the truth. If we would sit and examine the churches, a lot of people need to examine the churches they're sitting in and see what the real, what what the draw is there, uh, what the church is more interested in or the leadership of that church is more interested in. Is it your presence and your pocketbook? Or is it to see that, that you get told the truth? And so the day I stand behind this pulpit and preach anything other than God's word is the day that I expect you to ask me to resign. That I should know, I don't, I'm not uh, qualified to preach if I'm going to preach something other than God's word and spend time with all this other stuff. Uh, look, some people won't preach against certain sins. They don't want to offend anybody. We don't preach against sodomy because that member over there has got a, got a gay son or a gay daughter. We don't want to preach about, uh, you know, abortion because that woman's daughter had an abortion, you know? And that goes on today. Preachers will just avoid those subjects. They don't want to cause any disturbance. They might lose their, their money. And we can't have that. Look, uh, we must be like the Apostle Paul. He told the church at Ephesus in Acts 20 and 27, he says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. We must preach the full counsel of God. We don't leave things out and uh, just to keep people's feelings from getting hurt. All right, verse 3, it says, Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And it's business. You see that? What they're saying here, this taking care of the widows, and all, that's business. I know pure religion undefiled is taking care of the widows and, and orphans. I know that. But that's not the same thing here as we're talking about. These apostles, these preachers, these pastors over all these people, 
they've got to get into prayer and study the word. And so this other business needs to be taken care of by someone else. And so there, here's the plan. They got together, had a, had a meeting, I'm sure, and said, listen, we need to pray about this and see what God wants us to do. And, it, and from all the indications, God told them, look, you go pick you out some men to take care of this business, men that are not the apostles, not, not you guys. And so this, some call this the, the, the first deacons of the church. You can look at it that way. It's certainly an early model of a deacon. All the qualifications of a deacon are not listed here. And so we can't say this, these particular men are definitely deacons. But it is a type of, of deacon role. Uh, if you want to see the full qualifications of deacon, look over 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. I'm not going to get into that today. That's not what this message is about. But uh, I know the Bible doesn't call them deacons at, at this point right here. They're not called deacons until later on. And so, and these men they've called, like uh, Stephen, he's more of a, he's an evangelist there. He's a, he's a preacher. Uh, and so he is fulfilling this position, though, as they were asking. Philip, Philip was an evangelist. He's one of these also that was called uh, to fill this business that, that needed to be done. And so whether you call them deacons or not, it doesn't matter to me, but it is certainly a, an early model of it. But these men, they had something in common. They were full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. All right, now look at verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So the apostles would stay busy doing the most important part of the church work, and that is prayer and ministry of the word. Praying and preaching. Studying the Bible, studying God's word, praying over it, meditating over it, preaching it, ministering the word. I can tell you from personal experience, there is nothing worse than when a pastor has to get bogged down in all the business of the church and can't devote his time to prayer and preaching, studying the word of God. It's the worst thing. And I have done it in the last two churches I've been in. I've, I've filled almost every role in the church. I, the last church I was in, I did everything except take up the offering. I wouldn't do that. I just refused to do that. You can always find people to take up offering, but I did every other thing in that church. I mean, everything from changing the sign to cleaning the doors on Sunday morning uh, before people got there, sweeping the parking lot, uh, you name it, I, I did it. And what happens is you get so bogged down into doing all those little things, the business of the church, you don't have time to do what's the most important thing, prayer and study the Word of God. A lot of times I'd be down in the study trying to study and, and get prepared, and somebody come and knock on the door and have some something they needed done that a deacon should have been taken care of, but wasn't doing it. And so, listen, the deacons, their job is to assist the pastor. It's not to run the church and, and come up with uh, uh, rules and regulations for the church. The deacons are to assist the pastor to enable him to do what he needs to do. And so they're to take care of this kind of business. I know I'm, I'm sounding angry, aren't I? <laughs> I've been there, and I've done that, and I know what it's like. And so the preacher don't need to get bogged down into doing all these things. And by the way, while I'm on the subject, let me say this. Yes, the preacher goes and visits. When someone's sick and stuff, the preacher will go and visit. But don't think that it's the pastor's job to go and check on everybody every, every day or every week that, that's sick or shut in. 
That is what the deacons are to do. Uh, that was always one of my pet peeves. Somebody come to me, a deacon would come to me and say, well, how's sister so-and-so doing? And I'm thinking, well, why ain't you caught her and found out? I've been a little busy here. <laughs> uh, I, listen, I'm not trying to be mean-spirited, but uh, people need to know the difference between a pastor and a deacon. They're not the same thing. They've got different roles. So the preacher needs to spend his time devoted to prayer, studying the word, preaching. That is the single most important thing. And if I've said that once, I'll say it a hundred times before I'm finished. But uh, I've never been accused of being a lazy pastor, I'll tell you that. But a pastor shouldn't be doing every single job in the church. If the, the word of God's being neglected, the church has become nothing but a social club. And the world don't need any more social clubs. There's plenty of them. All right, get look at verse 5. And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased. You see that? See what happened because they did this? Because the apostles got back into praying and studying the word of God and ministering with the word? The word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem. Greatly, the Bible says, and a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. You know what that means, don't you? Those Jewish priests got saved. So they've left now the Jewish faith, and they're no longer doing the things of the priests. They're over here now with the Christians. And so many of them left the Jewish faith, and now they're Christians. And that is going to cause a great big problem with the religious hierarchy of the Jews. Now, notice when the word of God increases, the number of disciples multiply. And that word disciple here is not referring to the 12. It means anyone who is a follower of Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, you are a disciple. And not every Christian is a follower. All right, so... I see something else in this verse that you can guarantee was troubling those non-believing Jews, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and it is a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, this is going to cause a disturbance with them, and that's going to be one of the reasons that uh, they're coming after Christians. Now, they're already angry because all these people are, are there in Jerusalem. The church has started. They've already been arresting Peter and John and all them. Uh, you know, so anytime God starts working, the devil is going to work overtime. That, it's his job. That's what he's going to do. When God starts working, the devil starts working overtime. And you can guarantee it, when things start going good, everybody's getting along, things are getting accomplished, the devil is going to rear up his head and dis disrupt it. He can't help it. And uh, he would like nothing better to do than to see the church destroyed. Now, the Bible tells us the gates of hell cannot prevail against God's church. So he's not going to be able to destroy the church, but he's going to try to break it up, splinter it, split it, cause people to murmur more, cause uh, all kinds of fights. If you've ever been in a church fight, it's the ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life. It's uglier than any worldly fight. I've been there, done that, and I said it's the, la the last one I was in. I don't remember how long it's been, 15 years, I guess, or, or more. 
And I said, I will never in my life do, go through this again. I will get up and walk out before any of this takes place again. There's nothing uglier than when so-called Christians get together angry against each other and start acting in the flesh. And the what happens is the devil starts disrupting. And he has to use somebody to do it. He's not going to make a personal appearance. He's not going to jump up in a little red suit and a pitchfork and his little ponytail. I know he don't look like that. But that's what most people think the devil looks like. He's not going to pop up in the middle of the church and say, I'm here to do trouble. I'm going to cause disruption. No, what he does, he pokes somebody and somebody gets their feelings heard or they get some kind of idea or thought or maybe they uh, they want to think that they should be in charge. They should have say in something. And so he uses them. And he'll use you. Be careful. Oh, you know what? I don't know if you've heard, and it starts like that. You know what I heard? Starts like that. That's the devil causing you to try to disrupt things in the church, and it happens all the time. So many churches have been split because somebody has let the devil convince them that they needed to do something. They needed to say something. They needed to, you know, get involved in this, and as soon as they do, that's what happens. Well, you know, when God lays something on somebody's heart to do, really something to do, and they try to do it and start, that also causes other people to get jealous, uh, to think that they know better on what to do, even though they wasn't going to do anything. When they hear somebody else has got an idea, they think they, they know what's best. And so they'll come out against them, and uh, they'll try to get other people to agree with them or to disagree with this other person. And so that's how Satan starts working inside the church. And listen, Satan is one of the strongest church members there are. You know, you've heard of strong church members. Satan is one of the strongest in the history of the church. And he, the only thing is he's working in the opposite direction of what we're supposed to be working in. And like I said, the sad part is in order for the devil to do anything, he has to use a willing vessel. And uh, listen, may that willing vessel never be you. May it never be me. All right, look at verse 8. We're finally going to get to the verse I'm trying to get to. <laughs> and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. All right, underline those words there, full of faith and power. And my question is, what are we full of? I titled the message, A Full Man, A Full Woman. I didn't mean full from eating supper. Uh, we're going to be eating lunch here soon. I believe we're going to have salmon patties today, so I'm not going to get too awful full unless I eat about 10 of them <laughs> but, uh, uh, we had lasagna yesterday and trust me I was a full man but I'm not talking about that kind of fool this morning I'm talking about full of faith and power out of the Holy Ghost and the Spirit those things that's what the Bible says about Stephen all those things all those attributes he had and so <clears throat> we see in our scripture reading that Stephen was a full man. It said in verse 5 that Stephen was a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Here in verse 8, the Bible says Stephen's full of faith and power. And we didn't read it this morning, but over in Acts chapter 7, verse 55, the Bible says Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost. So Stephen was a full man. How many of us today can say, truly say we're a full man or a full woman? Are we really full of these things? 
full of spirit, full of power, full of wisdom, full of the Holy Ghost. What about it? Listen, without faith, we have no power. Without faith, we can't do great wonders. Without faith, we can't lead others to Christ. Without faith, our testimony is useless. The fact is, this religion that we have, this Christianity that we have, is a religion of faith. It's all faith without sight. You know, I can believe, I believe in the Lord Jesus. I've never seen him in the flesh. I don't know what he looks like. And he don't look like these pictures. I won't get on that today. But uh, I don't know what Jesus looked like. Uh, one of these days, our faith will come to sight. But right now, we believe simply by faith that the Lord Jesus came and died on the cross, saved us from our sins. He arose on the third day, and he sits on the right hand of the Father, make intercession for us. I believe that with faith. I, there's not a single shred of me that doubts that at all. And so it's simply by faith. Can I see Jesus sitting on the right hand? No, I can't. Stephen did. When Stephen was martyred, he saw the Lord standing there beside the Lord. It's the only time it talks about him standing there. But he saw him. But Stephen was a man full of faith and power. And because of this, he was able to do great wonders and miracles. The Bible doesn't say that Stephen was full of good looks and fancy words. A lot of people think the qualifications for a pastor today is to be good looking and full of uh, fancy words. Oh, listen to how he speaks. It is so wonderful. I'm glad that to be like the Apostle Paul doesn't have anything fancy to say to him. He just speaks right out. Uh, the, but the Bible doesn't say anything about all these other attributes that made him stand out among the crowd. You know, when, when they say, pick you out seven men of honest report, they didn't say seven men that, that are good looking, you know, or seven tall men, or seven thin men, or seven muscular men, or anything like that. Now, we don't know what these men look like. Uh, some people get hung up on looks. You know, they think a preacher ought to be tall, dark, and handsome. I'm all the opposite of that. <laughs> short, fat, and ugly. And I'm, I'm thankful today that uh, the Lord doesn't call you because of the way you look. Um, it was Stephen's faith and power that he was recognized for. That's what people saw him for. Now, I was listening to a preacher one time, Alan Redpath. He's an Irish preacher. And uh, he was telling a story about this lady who was having, she was going to have prayer meetings at her, at her house. And she had a next door neighbor and the next door neighbor was of a different faith. And she invited her to come to the prayer meeting. And she said, no, I can't do that. We're of different faith. We're not allowed to come over there and participate. And she said, okay, well, we're going to have it tomorrow night. And so the next night, and the woman had the prayer meeting in her house. And uh, then the next morning, she went over outside, and her neighbor woman said, well, how many people showed up? She said, well, there was, <coughs> she said, there was 36 last night. No, she said, there was 27 last night, and my house was full. And she said, well, that's, that's great. You know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that and all. And she said, you should come next week. She said, no, 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 I can't come because, you know, we're different faiths, and we just we can't do that. And so the next week she had another meeting. And again, it went wonderful. And the next day, the lady asked her, the neighbor asked her, she said, how many did you have there last night? She said, we had 36. The place was full. House is full. I said, my goodness, that's wonderful. <clears throat> and she said, why don't you come to the next one? She said, oh, no, no, I can't do that. So the next week she had another meeting. 
Same thing. Went out and lady said, how many did you have? She said, I had 50 people and my house was full. And the lady said, now wait a minute. So the first night you've got 27. The next week you got 36. And now you're telling me you had 50. And each time you told me your house was full. Now how could that be? If your house was full the first night with just that many people, how did you fit 50 more in there and, it, and it'd be full? <clears throat> she said, well, I'll tell you what happened. On that second night, we started moving furniture out, put out in the yard. On that on that third time, we pulled all the furniture out of there, out in the, out in the yard. And so my house was full. So we emptied the house so more people could get in there. And listen, the reason that we are not full of faith and power and wisdom and full of the Holy Ghost is because we've allowed all these other things to clutter up our lives, our, our minds, our hearts. We've got all this furniture or garbage piled up. And so there's no room for all these things that we need. What we've got to do, we've got to be like this lady. We've got to start throwing all that stuff out in the yard. We've got to get rid of it, get it out of our lives, get it out of our hearts, get it out of our minds, knock the clutter out, and that will allow us to be more like we need to be, full of faith, wisdom, power, Holy Ghost, all these things. As long as we're cluttered up, we're preventing more of Jesus from occupying us. Don't ask, what are you full of? What's filled up your life? Are you full of the things of the world? You don't have room for the things of God? Are you full of television? You don't have time to study God's Word? Are you so full of activities you don't have time to attend the house of God? We're just too busy. Are you so full of yourself you don't have room for anybody else? There's a lot of people that way. They're so full of themselves they can't get Jesus in them. <laughs> Are you so full of jealousy that you can't see good in anyone? Are you so full of anger that you can't be happy for somebody else? There's a lot of people that way. Anger and bitterness filling up their lives. They don't have time. And so they're full of all these other things and it's preventing them from living that Christian life that, that's pleasing to the Lord. And being full of faith and power and of the Holy Ghost, Spirit, all these things that we should be as Christians. Listen, it's time for us to do some house cleaning, some furniture moving. Time for us to clear out the clutter. You know, my wife likes to do spring cleaning. And she'll clean the windows and all that stuff. But a lot of times we fill up boxes and take them to Carm and get rid of that stuff. Get rid of that clutter so I guess so we can have room for more clutter. Because we replace it with something else eventually. But in our spiritual life, we got to get rid of the stuff and we got to keep rid of it. You know, take it somewhere and dump it. Set it on fire. Uh, so that we can have what we need to have. Full of faith, power, spirit, the Holy Ghost. And those things require room in your life. The Lord doesn't want to compete with all these other things of the world inside of you. Over Luke 7 and 28, Jesus said, There's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But you know what John the Baptist said? John 3 and 30, John the Baptist said, He must increase, but I must decrease. Now listen, this is a man that Jesus himself said there was not a greater prophet than him. You know, if, if most people today would hear something like that, if Jesus said, Oh, Brother Byron, he's, there's no greater prophet than him, you know what would happen? You might as well get a pump and pump my head because it'd get so big I couldn't get out of this room. And I would be preoccupied with myself and how wonderful I am. 
John the Baptist says, look, I've got to decrease. He's the one that people need to see and go, go after. I'm done. I'm out of here. Don't even think about me. Friends, we've got to empty ourselves in order to be full. Maybe your life is filled with things. It's taken, taken the place of godly things. Too many filled with worldly things. Worldly books, worldly music, worldly movies, worldly television shows. You're never going to be full of spirit and power and the Holy Ghost as long as we're full of the world stuff. Now, I know there's a really a lot of popular preachers. They, they, uh, they spend a lot of times bragging about themselves and their sermons. And people go away from the, the service thinking, my goodness, all those things that he's done, all that stuff, you know, oh, he's such a, what a man. <laughs> Look, I don't want, I don't care if you know a thing about me. I, I'd rather somebody leave the service and not even remember my name as long as they heard the word of God preached and they heard the truth. You know, I'm not going to get up here and try to boost CD sales, uh, CD sales and book sales and, and all this stuff you hear so many of them talk about. I want to be like the Apostle Paul and know nothing but Christ and him crucified and uh, preach the full counsel. And so, listen, friend, people, what are they going to say about you when you leave? Well, he was full of knowledge about baseball. Uh, he really knew his stuff about NASCAR. That used to be me. I used to know all about NASCAR. I can tell you everything you want to know about it. I gave all that stuff up. I mean, I'll watch it every now and then, but it's not important to me. We can get so much of this stuff, and it may not be bad things. I'm not saying that everything's bad. Sports and, and things are not bad things until they become more important to you than, than the Lord and the spiritual things. And so I don't want anybody to ever say, you know, what are they going to say there at, at, at your funeral? My, there lays that man, he... He knew everything there was to know about this or that. Or are they going to say, boy, that man right there, he was full of faith and spirit and Holy Ghost. Sadly, that won't be said about many people today. I wish it'd be said about me. Listen, you may be saying, Brother Byron, you don't know, you know, what I, I've been through in my life or things I've done and all this, it doesn't matter. The Lord doesn't care. He just wants you. That's all. That's all. He just wants you to be in your life, in your heart. And uh, as long as we've got everything else in the world, then uh, there's nothing we can do. And so listen, let's uh, take this message to heart and uh, remember this. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning thanking you for the message. Lord, I pray that we will empty ourselves of all the junk of the world and all the clutter. Lord, and, and have more of you in us. Lord, more of the Holy Ghost, more of the Spirit. Lord, more of your power and your wisdom. Lord, may people say about us that that is someone who loves the Lord. It's full of the Spirit. God, not all these other things that we may be known for. Lord, I pray for our church. I pray that you give us the wisdom to, to do the things we need to do. And Lord, I pray for those today that may be listening that's lost. God, may we be able to reach them with the gospel. Lord, that you'll convict their heart, show them the need to be saved. And God, we thank you for all the things you bless us with here at Porchlight. 
And may we remember that you're the only reason that we're here. It's not about all the other junk. But Lord, it's all about you. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, in fear of the Lord, we're separated.